Hello, everyone. Welcome to PVP. I am Sam Ajama, Dylan, or Sammy, however you know me by. Welcome to our podcast today. I am joined by Danny Berger, who is the Director of Content and Socials for the Atlanta Reign. He also is a Collegiate Content Director, and he is co-host of the Real Gamers Podcast. Today, Danny is going to give us a little bit of insight on how to get into the esports space from a content and socials perspective, things you can do and things to look out for from the very first time you step into the space all the way up to a you know director level. So, Danny, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's been awesome. I've known you for a little while now, and you're always someone that I've looked up to as far as being initiative based when it comes <laughs> oh. to produce when it comes to producing content. Um, a lot of people, like I always tell people, like one of the best traits you can have is be initiative based and seek out, you know, your own adventures and seek out your own successes. And I think that's one thing that you've done very well. So I knew that you would give a lot of value to this type of podcast. No, I appreciate it, man. Let's hope let's help some other people out then. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, the best and easiest thing is how did you originally get into the esports space? Uh, I always ask people, was it something that you you grew up in and you saw from an early age on or was it someone like me where you kind of got into it later? Uh, yeah, so I actually got into it much, much later. I've only been mm -hmm. in esports for about two years now, maybe about two and a half years. Um, mm -hmm. If you add in like the six months of being a huge Overwatch League fan. Um but before that, esports was not on my radar. I actually started a YouTube channel because I was an acting major in college. So I was using that to practice okay. my acting skills. Uh, so I was putting together videos for reels to audition for uh, TV and film. So, okay. yeah. Well, so you got that's, the personality for it. <laughs> I appreciate honest. it. I got to put that acting yeah. major to, the, to, to use every so often. Yeah. Um, so once I got on YouTube, I realized, hey, I like video games. I like acting. Let me start making some like random... Uh, you know, videos about Overwatch. Those never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, one day I made a how to grow on Twitch, uh, how to grow your Twitch channel in like 2017 because I was mm -hmm. practicing SEO. Uh, fun fact, it wasn't meant for the content. It was meant for the title and tags because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to learn how to rank in search. Uh, a college had seen that video. One of the professors, his daughter was trying to start a Twitch channel and uh, she saw it. So they ended up seeing that video. They were starting the one of the first esports collegiate programs around the nation. Wow. Uh, and they wanted me to be a director of content because I knew how to edit videos. Obviously, I knew a little bit about Overwatch, um, and that's how I got into the space. So I went from collegiate right into the pro, pro scene with the Atlanta Reign a year later. That's interesting given the timing because co the collegiate scene, especially in 2020, has like blossomed a lot more. It's a lot more in multiple esports. But back in 2017, it actually was a really big point of controversy. Some people said it wasn't useful. Some people said it was. So it's interesting that that's where you started more so than other people. Um, but yeah, moving into kind of how you got into this space, what was, you know, some of the best practices that you've seen? So we're starting now with someone maybe is a decent sized content creator. Maybe they're just starting out with content. You know, what are some advice you can give somebody that's just getting into the esports space and is a content creator, con want, they're wanting to manage content. What are some things that you could give them that you wish you would have known uh, at an early age on? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, the first thing I always tell creators, and it's super, super cliche, and a lot of people say it, is uh, make the content that you want to see that doesn't exist. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's the key part for me is the it doesn't exist part. Mm -hmm. um, because then you're going to be passionate about it. Even if you're not getting paid to create the work, uh, you're still going to learn from it, right? So if you're going to make a video that you've always wanted to see, you're going to be passionate Nobody's made it before, so you can't really copy anybody, which is going to force you to learn new techniques and new methods. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think a big make or break difference in a lot of content in esports now is originality and experimentation. I think a lot of orgs are kind of tentative to try different types of series and different types of content. 
So when you're just getting started, if you get used to taking risks and doing new things, uh, you're gonna, I think you're gonna benefit a lot more in the long run because you're gonna be comfortable being uncomfortable for like the rest of your career, right? Mm -hmm. We're not afraid to experiment when we make content for the rain because we know it's not gonna flop necessarily in our eyes, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we did uh, a spoof on the Dos Equis commercial when I first started with the rain. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's something that no other teams really did. I don't think I've seen a Dos Equis ripoff in like 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it was something that I saw as a kid and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Let me just recreate this because esports hadn't done it and let me mm -hmm. do it for Overwatch League, right? So mm -hmm. it was unique, it was different. Uh, the sponsor was Coke for that video. I'd never made a sponsored video before. Um, so instead of being nervous about it, I was already modeling off of something that I knew was successful that had worked and I was catering towards a new audience that I knew I would love, like I knew I loved that video. So I knew it was mm -hmm. something that people could relate to. Um, mm -hmm. so that's my, my best piece of advice is start making the work that you want to see that doesn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. And I think one question that begs, cause it popped in my head and I think a lot of people struggle with this, especially from a content creation standpoint is, you know, not everybody is this natural on camera vlogger. They can just vlog their day and they get subs. Not everybody can just naturally do that. So how do you, how did you cope or deal with feeling like maybe you're forcing creating something, you know, and it's not feeling original, you know, how, how do you go about making sure it stays genuine, but also it's not taxing on you as an individual. Cause I always tell people content creators, spanning over multiple years eventually it can get mentally taxing because you're like i don't know what to make like I f what do i need to make next and that's something that a lot of people struggle with so how did you deal with that while also being creative and wanting to go down avenues no one ever's gone on before yeah yeah that's a really really good question um for me it's about efficiency right so once mm -hmm. you like you mentioned like you can be creating content for years and you're going to get creatively worn out mm -hmm. um creativity is something that's like it's a finite resource uh mm -hmm. people think it just hits you and you always have it I'm not a naturally creative person. I'm actually very analytical. Um, mm -hmm. So coming up with original content is difficult. So something that you can do that's super tangible um, is, is you got to give yourself like I call it a north star or an anchor. Um, I like using acronyms. So it's it's mm -hmm. a it's a pillar of content piece. That's a, a term from Gary V. If anybody's mm -hmm. heard of him. Um, and basically what it is, it's it's my staple series, right? So when I first started the Atlanta Rain, mm -hmm. it was the top ten plays videos because it yep. was an established series. Uh, that you didn't need to creatively come up with something. Every single week, the players played a game. Every single week, you could come up with 10 plays that were interesting. And if not, mm -hmm. you could narrow it down to five. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I call that like your guiding star or your anchor because no matter how lost or adrift at sea you are, how lost you are in the forest, that's your one staple piece that you go back to every single week. So mm -hmm. you're not leaving your editing software. You're not leaving... Uh, you're you're staying disciplined in the mm -hmm. creation part, right? The actual applicable part. Mm -hmm. Once you have that staple piece, for me, it went from the top five plays video to the the rain returning series, our docu series. One because it was more interesting. Um, it was the storytelling bit that I really wanted to do, mm -hmm. um, and it was something that we we developed that people really liked. So I knew every week after the matches, I could interview the players. And provide my audience with with just value that no other teams were providing at the time. Mm -hmm. um, once you have that staple piece, the rest is easy because you know how to make it. You know how many hours it's going to take you a week. And it mm -hmm. leaves the rest of your work week or the rest of your personal time, right? If you're working another full-time job while doing this as a hobby, you have X amount of time. So now you can experiment. You can try different things. Mm -hmm. And if you start getting lost or start getting astray, you bring yourself right back to your guiding star, that one piece of staple content that mm -hmm. keeps you grounded. 
Okay. And usually that stable content is very genuine who you are as a person. So it's really easy. It has to, yeah, it has to be something that's tied to you. Mm -hmm. That it's your comfort, right? That's your comfort Mm -hmm. zone that you're going to build your confidence in. It's something that you're like, Oh, I got this. I'm going to whip it out. It's going to be amazing. No matter what happens, it's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And I think another piece of, and I, I, this is specific to content creators and editors. Cause I think a lot of people don't under, like that want to get into it. They're like, Oh, that seems really cool. Maybe they watch a couple of land rain videos. Like how do you, how did you deal? And we've talked about this offline, I think before, how do you deal with the hours of work that people don't realize it takes to create a video? Like what is your simplified? What is your process that you go through to make sure you don't get burnt out from just a producing standpoint? Cause the amount of production you guys put out at the rain is honestly above par comparatively in esports like the amount of videos you guys put out (laughs) is actually crazy so like what is your process to stay mentally engaged and on track as a creator in this esports space yeah there's there's a couple of different parts of my process that i think are super important um one you have to hold yourself to a higher standard um uh, particularly in our organization i have the luxury i call it a luxury um to be able to have creative freedom in my work uh the head of content drill is amazing but he lets me do the creative work that I want to do because he trusts my ability. Um, So there's nobody there holding my hand. There's nobody there saying, hey, this isn't good enough. So one, you have to create high expectations of yourself. The reason why the rain was able to put out so much content throughout the season, even with COVID and even with roster changes and all of that craziness that happened this year Mm -hmm. was because I I held myself to putting out two videos minimum a week. Um, So just make yourself have high standards for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. The higher your standards, the more you're going to learn from the process and the more you can output. You can always put out more than you think you can mm-hmm. without being burnt out. So along with having high standards, you have to have the yin and the yang. And my yang for high standards is um, boundaries. Boundaries are huge for me. And a boundary is basically something you set up with your organization or with your partner or with yourself. Um, you know, when are you going to start working? how long are you going to work for? And how are you going to pull yourself away from the work? And I'm very, very guilty of not pulling myself away. Yeah. Um, you know, just because that's my personality type. But I, I always tell people, you don't need an A-type personality to be successful in content creation. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. You can work a normal 40 hours a week and be just as good and talented as anybody else out there. Um, you know, just enforce boundaries. So have mm-hmm. high expectations, but tell people, hey, after 6 p.m., I'm not working anymore. I'm not taking calls or answering emails. Set those boundaries early on in your career and get comfortable telling people. I mean, even in job interviews, I've told uh, I've told owners, I'm like, hey, I'm only going to work from this time to this time or we'll work on the contract, you know, meet them in the mm-hmm. middle. But I mm-hmm. do tell them my needs because a, uh, a, a you working for a company and a company hiring you is a relationship. So that means you're taking care of them. And they're also taking care of you. So setting the high expectation to pump out as much content as you can, while also balancing using boundaries would be basically my watered down uh, process for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the boundaries one is an interesting point because esports, especially in the pandemic, is not like other job professions. Like I can sit right here at my setup if I was working for an org and even in a marketing role, which is what I want to do. And I could do my job sitting right here, mm-hmm. but I can also turn on my Xbox and play my like there there's no there's no boundary there actually is no physical boundary it's not like you leave an office even organizations that have million dollar offices like a lot of people telework do work at home mm-hmm. so like creating that boundary is 10 times harder so I, i'm glad that you brought that up um but with all the the good things we're talking about 
you know, now we get into like what I like to call the failures. I've, I've told other people, like, I am comfortable talking about my failures. I seek out failure. So like, what are some things that you wish you would have known? Like thinking back, like young Danny in 2017, like, why did I fucking do that? Like, what is wrong <laughs> with me? Like, what are some things like, if you could be like, you know, you're trying to save someone else from making the same mistake you did. If you can think of one thing, what would that thing be? Hmm. No, one, I love what you said about talking about failures. I think that's mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one thing I wish I told younger me was, well, definitely setting boundaries. I think that's one of the biggest things. When I first got into the space, I was incredibly, incredibly intimidated of everybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I was a nobody who came off the streets of working retail, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got a call from a college to do something I had never done before. I never made a content schedule. I never made a um, you know consistent content. I was just mm-hmm. the guy who made random videos and then Twitch streamed. Um, so everything that I know, I had to teach myself for that first year and I wasn't, I wasn't confident in myself. So when Mm -hmm. I would have meetings with higher ups, I'd let people walk all over me. So something that I would tell somebody who's younger, who's getting into it Mm -hmm. is if you're entirely incredibly new, of course, don't go in and say you're the best at everything and and you're going to lay down the law, Mm -hmm. but hold your ground and be able to compromise and work with people. I I think that's like being honest is, is laying out boundaries. Mm -hmm. So I would tell younger me, Hey, um, know what's important to you in life. Like I know I need one day off a week to function. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people don't, some people can work seven days a week. I know I need one day a week. So I'm sure that when I have those meetings, I, mm-hmm. I put that down on paper. Um, so definitely just, just be confident in what you need out of life and put down boundaries would be that piece of advice. Okay. Being confident. It seems like it's a trend with some of the people I've already talked to people I've already that have aired people that haven't aired. And it's really interesting hearing that because Esports is such a young audience, in my opinion, and it's such a like you wouldn't feel like being confident would be something you need to do because everybody's kind of like new to this anyway. So like, why do you need to be confident? But at the same time, in a vacuum where you no one knows exactly where this train's going, like yes, then you have some people that are like more confident than others. Some people are trying to gain more control than others. So yeah, you could like I'm the same way. Like I'm a very I don't want to say humble person, but I'm a very mm-hmm. timid person when it comes to like, just go with the flow. Like I won't speak my mind a lot. So I, I feel that I resonate with that, that you need to be confident in what you're doing, especially if it's something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Honest. And it, and like you said, it's a new industry. And I think that the confidence has to come from the fact that the people doing roles like mine are mm-hmm. young, right? Like we're, we're, we're completely endemic. We're, we're the ones who played the video games, who grinded for hours, who live stream on Twitch. And that's why we're so knowledgeable. But mm-hmm. we're being hired by people who are not necessarily gamers, right? These are now these are investors. These are companies that have never held a controller. These are companies that have never heard of Halo or Overwatch that are now getting in. So without that confidence, they just look at you as, oh, you're just a kid who plays a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, that confidence for me is that that bridge, that bridge between the endemic and non-endemic world. And it's entirely necessary in order to not only secure yourself a job. But without that confidence, you're you're gonna you're gonna go through a lot of imposter syndrome. You're gonna go through a lot of doubting yourself. You're gonna doubt your work, um, mm-hmm. and you're gonna get stuck in a rut because you're too scared. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense, and it's a perfect segue of going into the content piece of. And now the next segment I wanted to get into was, you know, the the state of content in esports. You know, what do you see as it? for people that are getting in the space, they kind of get a, like a quick strategic grasp of it. You know, what is the state of content to you in esports? What are some of the trends you're seeing? And then subsequently answer, you know, what are some things that you hope to see in the future that aren't there currently? Yeah. So the state of esports content right now, uh, 
in my honest opinion, is honestly, in, it's very bland, if we're being mm -hmm. honest. It's very copy pasta. Um, like, so right now, esports is going through this huge boom of sponsorships. Now, when you work with a sponsor and you have, we have what are called deliverables. So uh, yep. Rain Returning is a series that is owned by McDonald's because McDonald's paid the team to be our sponsor, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the piece that we're selling to them, um, which means that, um, totally lost, lost my train of thought there. What was the question? Oh, the trend. Cool. So. When you have um, sponsored deliverables coming into the system, mm -hmm. you're working with non-endemic organizations, which means organizations that don't play video games natively, mm -hmm. and you're trying to sell them pieces. Now, the content that I would like to see are pieces that are more narrative-driven about the players and their backgrounds and the stories of the staff and how the team was founded. But mm -hmm. sponsors, they only see really two wells of content right now, and that's highlights, frag reels, top five plays video games or uh, videos and then like these docu these mini docu series right like the mm -hmm. ring returning docu series uh unfazed are two examples right sponsors really only see these two wells as profitable right they see that mm -hmm. as the exposure that they want we're, and that's why we're kind of stuck in in our content now we're really stuck in these two these two wells mm -hmm. what i want to see out of the industry is more creativity so you always i always look at the lec right they always put out amazing videos Mm -hmm. um, you have some orgs doing amazing things, 100 Thieves, because they're a clothing brand, they have the ability to work the lifestyle content a lot more, mm -hmm. but integrating lifestyle into uh, being a gamer, right? Pulling, pulling the audience out from behind the screens and putting them in real life with these players is something mm -hmm. we need much, much more of. I mm -hmm. think that we were starting to go that way, especially for my content model for the rain this season. We were going to have the players around Atlanta. We were going to mm -hmm. have them doing charity drives with McDonald's. We were going to have them doing a lot more live stuff, you know, a, a mm -hmm. day a day shopping with Dogman, right? COVID unfortunately stopped that, but it didn't stop my production, right? It didn't stop our video production. So we started branching out. We started doing different types of videos. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that right now the state of esports content is it, it's kind of vanilla. It's kind of boring. Mm -hmm. But you're starting to see teams dabble and and push out a little bit beyond the barriers. I think what we're actually seeing is talent getting much more effective at their job, right? Mm -hmm. I can pump out a top 10 plays video now in like 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. It's not too labor intensive. These creators are getting faster and better at what they're doing to, to pay the bills. And they're able to push the boundaries with each video that they're making. Mm -hmm. so I, I firmly believe in the next couple of years, you're going to see more intensive videos, Um but it's going to take those organizations that are not afraid, right? These organizations need their own confidence and their personal identity mm -hmm. to put out content that sponsors may not buy at first, right? Like if you watch Apple commercials now on TV, Apple commercials don't even have to have, they don't have to have text in it about their Apple product or the laptop. They just need one sticker of the Apple logo and you know it's an Apple commercial. Eventually, orgs need to be able to hit that level of just brand awareness confidence and then sponsors are going to buy those spots mm -hmm. yeah and i think and you can completely disagree with this if you do it's totally fine i've just been <laughs> curious to ask a content mm -hmm. content director this is do you think the reason it's a lot of copy pasta with the mini docuseries and stuff like that is because a lot of the guys that are creating content now in like your positions like director level they grew up around like the optic gaming they grew up around g2 they grew up around these guys who started that it's like optic g2 those kind of guys those are the ones who initiated the docuseries when it was like the coolest thing ever because no one had ever done it. And now, like, that's what those guys have known to be popular. Mm -hmm. So then that's just kind of their, I guess, safe space. That's what they revert to. Like, 
no one, I always tell people the hardest thing in any systematic process is step one. So like Mm -hmm. in step one, they're probably like, well, I've seen optic do it. Let me go do it. I'll just go do that too. Do you think that's a reason that people have fell into that trap of not being creative or you think it's other reasons as well? Uh, I definitely think it's, it's going to be case specific. Uh, mm-hmm. if we're being completely honest, if you, if you ask a freelancer who's just doing it for free, um, I think it comes down to just, I've seen it before. I need to pump this out so I can pay my bills. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for somebody in my position, uh, there's a lot of series that I would have loved to do that sponsors just didn't buy. So it didn't come out to laziness or not knowing how to create something unique. Obviously we try to prove we can create unique pieces by doing, you know, the goodbye baby bay video, right? Like that was mm-hmm. something that I hadn't seen before. Um, you know, the roster reveal was actually just a Marvel trailer spoof, right? Mm-hmm. We were trying different things because a sponsor didn't own those pieces. Okay. We were able to expand. So it's not that we're we're uncreative. We're not coming up with new ideas. It's you need to have that perfect marriage. You need to have that 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 higher level ownership who knows, hey, trust in that creator to to propel that brand image forward. And, mm-hmm. and maybe we spend a month doing experimental pieces. And okay. I think that it comes down to to some orgs are honestly terrified of of relinquishing that control mm-hmm. um, because you know they they come from a more traditional background. Right. Mm-hmm. If you look at Boston Uprising is owned by the craft group, of course they're not going to go out and, and troll the internet like the Atlanta Rain is. Mm-hmm. Right. The like if, if the Boston Uprising tweeted like the Atlanta Rain right now, the owner would have a conniption. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the Patriots would never tweet like that. It's it's not endemic. It's poor sportsmanship. Yep. It's 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 trolling. It's 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 different. They don't have the meme culture that right? sports says. Yeah. Right. So it, it yeah. comes down to I think a lot of the time behind the scenes, I can personally say that I've pitched a lot of different ideas. Mm-hmm. And it just comes down to you need to make it is a business at the end of the day. And if the sponsors are paying your bills, you do have to do what the sponsor wants. And at the end of the work week, once you get done those 80 hours of cranking on content, mm-hmm. you don't really have a lot of gas in the tank left to do those more creative experimental pieces. Yep. And I, when you said that, like the meme, like I just think of Ocelot's Twitter feed where he's like, this org fucking sucks. And I'm like, can you <laughs> imagine like Robert Kraft dropping the F bomb saying like, right. Kansas State Chiefs effing mm-hmm. suck? Like that's not. Just not something that they does not compute in their brains. Right. Um, right. One thing I wanted to ask, and mm-hmm. this can fall onto the NDA side of things. So if you say if you're the answer to general, to say no, it's fine. Um, but when you're talking to non-demic sponsors, and this may be good for a content creator that maybe is trying to deal with their first personal sponsor, right? Have you seen more of it just them coming to you saying like, "Here's what we want. We know what we want you to do. Like push this out. We don't we don't care about the creative side. Like we just want this." Or is it more of Have you noticed like any sponsors coming to you saying like? What can you like, what do you guys think we should do? And like, how do you handle both approaches? Yeah. So you're going to get it one of two ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've had it both. When I was in collegiate, it was always, here's what we want. Here's how you're going to do it. And you're going to do it. Part of that was, I I always blame myself for everything that happens in my life. I blame Mm -hmm. myself for not coming into that job with enough confidence Mm -hmm. because they, they learned very quickly. They could just tell the young kid to do what they wanted. And I was not happy making half of that content because I felt I could have done better. Mm-hmm. When I so when you're dealing with that, um, that's a good time to start practicing, you know, backing yourself and having that confidence. When they come to you with a "This is what we want. This is how we want it done," do it. Mm-hmm. Pitch something back at them. Collaborate and attempt to. And if they say no, don't waste any more energy. Right? Don't mm-hmm. waste more than twenty percent energy for eighty percent of the results. It's the twenty eighty rule. Mm-hmm. So if they're if they push back and they say absolutely not. Just do the video. You're getting paid, hopefully, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Make the, make the video. Fight another battle. 
Now, where I'm at, luckily with the rain and the reputation that Jay has built for the the organization, as well as the reputation I built for myself as a mm. credible creator, um, when McDonald's came to us, they asked us for the ideas. Um, so McDonald's is completely non-endemic. And the conversation went, we want to get into esports. Um, what are your ideas? So me and Jay sat, we brainstormed a whole document. We write up a series, we give them mock storyboards, and we show them examples from the from the esports side. My job, my main goal when I'm working with a non-endemic sponsor is to educate them during that whole relationship. Mm-hmm. So our, our relationship with McDonald's was seven months long. That entire seven months, I was constantly educating them on not only what we were going to make, but why we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. Because even if that partnership doesn't continue next year, if they get another esports org, now mm-hmm. they've learned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes down to, for us, everything the rain does for McDonald's and Cox, all of those ideas are our ideas. Mm-hmm. And then they, they run it by their legal team because most yeah, non-endemics have a legal team. Um, and once you get your results back from the legal team, that's when you start tweaking for more of like the corporate, uh, the corporate style videos. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we start fully creative. So McDonald's came to us. They said, we have no idea, um, what videos we want. What are your ideas for this this relationship, this partnership? Uh, they go through the list, they pick the ones they like, and then we draft a contract based on that. Yep, I think that's really important because I think you have a lot of content people out there in esports that maybe let's say they have twenty thousand Instagram followers or they have a partner Twitch channel and they're wanting to partner personally with another brand that's non endemic to the space. Like, how do you handle both ways of doing mm-hmm. that? I feel like is really important, um, but. For everyone in here, uh, one segment I want to do, and this is, I call it dealer's choice. So every person that comes on to the podcast, I kind of give them one thing that they want to talk about specifically in their lane of esports. And it's something I, I don't make the prompt, they make it. Um, and Danny came to me with the, what, I, what we like simplify it and call it organization versus no organization with content creators, whether you're a director or whether you're a personal content creator, you know, is it is it more worth it to go into an organization or more worth or is it more worth it to not? So I'm going to let Danny have the floor here and kind of discuss his thoughts about it to speaking to any brand new content creator, someone maybe a little bit more seasoned in the space and help them, you know, make that decision for themselves. Yeah. So when, uh, when Sam asked me about my dealer's choice, uh, I was, I've been doing a lot of talking back and forth with other creators. Um, right now you see a lot of people tweeting, Oh man, I just want to work for an org. I want to work for an org. I want to work for an org. I think that having that goal is, I think that's a great goal to have. And a lot of people see the org as the end goal. Um, from personal experience, the org is in fact, one of your first steps. So something that I like to tell new creators is don't, don't just stick to that one goal. Uh, be willing to get out there and start freelancing. I think freelance freelance is honestly what gave me my, my higher standards because before I did this, I did videos for doctor's offices, snowboard companies, literally anybody who would let me hold a camera and film them. I filmed Mm -hmm. them. Okay. Um, Right. So, and I tried to get money. I tried to get mm-hmm. money out of it somehow. Right. A doctor, I was like, Hey, can you pay me or can you pay for my gas? Whatever it had to be. These are all like skills that are going to help you not only market yourself as a freelancer, but when that organization knocks on your door, you now have the skills and the ability to confidently negotiate a contract that is good for you. Mm-hmm. Also, anything that you want to be proficient at requires 10,000 hours to be considered an expert. So you can start your 10,000 hours before you get into an org. So mm-hmm. use this time when you're, when you're waiting for the org or when you're building your resume or when you're working another full-time job, use this time now to build on those 10,000 hours. Start editing more videos. Start making more graphics. Uh, you know, your friend's got a Twitch channel. Start highlighting their, their highlights. You want to get into marketing? 
Start literally reverse engineering some big brand that you like and, and start writing, like try to figure out what their marketing strategy is. Yep. There's nothing stopping you from starting your 10,000 10, hours now so that when the opportunity does come because i'm telling you it's it's esports is expanding right now it's a tiny 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 bubble it's incredible how many times i've been on a on a call with another group and i know somebody on the other line because there's mm -hmm. not a lot of us yet like the, it's still very very small mm -hmm. and as the floodgates get open more and more people are going to get those calls but if you don't have the experience you're not going to have the confidence and these owners want somebody who's young creative uh, they're a go-getter and they're confident. So that way, when you get that call, you can say, hey, Mr. O organization owner, here's my 10,000 hours or my 5,000 hours of expertise. This is what I can make for you. And this is my direct value of mm. what you're going to get for your company and how much I should be compensated for it. Okay. And that that's that's really important, especially in content because there's I've, and I've noticed this last year, there's so many, even in as, as niche as esports is, there's even more niche stuff that people don't know about. Like there's, like I always tell people like esports doesn't mean you have to work for hundred thieves or Atlanta rain or anything like that esports can mean you go work at an esports arena and maybe you develop content real estate. Like you don't know what you're going to do. Like I've learned in my last year, it's not about the end destination as far as where you're at. It's just being in the space and being involved in it. And I think a lot of people, like you said, see the org as like the end destination where that's just a tool that you use to stay in the space or to further something else. Um, and I think a lot of mid-level content creators struggle with that. Plus, for being honest, if you take the top 10 content creators in esports, more of them are not with organizations mm -hmm. than are with organizations because a single influencer in esports sometimes has more pull than an entire organization, mm -hmm. especially with brand engagement. So uh, it's not necessarily you have to be in an org to be successful. So I like that take a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Don't be afraid to strike out on your own. It gives you a lot more creative liberty. I mean, look at your favorite top tier streamers. They're all mm -hmm. individual people, right? They're all by themselves. They get to make what they want when they want. They work on their own schedule. There's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to being an individual first. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you can do everything solo, imagine what you can accomplish once you inevitably become part of a team. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I agree with you. Well, Danny, thank you so much for, for all your insight with this. I wanted to keep it short and sweet so people can get the most value in the short amount of time possible. But before we head out, is there any socials you want to shout out? Any subsidiary things? <laughs> um, yeah, no, you guys can follow me all over social media. I'm at Daberger at D-A-H-B-E-R-G-E-R. -E -E um, and if there's ever any, uh, if there's any specific questions you have on content creation, brand building, or getting your foot in the door, my DMs are always open or go through this guy, Sam Ajama. And mm -hmm. he can, you know, hook us up together. Um, I love, I love talking with the individual creators because mm -hmm. you get their specific uh, problems that you could get to solve. Yeah, thank you so much, man. And for anyone listening to this on podcasting platforms, I'll have his Twitter at in the description. And then if you're listening to this on YouTube, all his links will be below, all his social medias, because um, he's got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So you definitely want to follow him and keep an eye on him. But Danny, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you have a good rest of your day, man. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. See y'all.